those who don't know, we are in a little season um, now that we've kind of we've decided um, that for for Blueprint, we want to really focus on both um, receiving but also giving. So freely receive, freely give. And this particular um, scripture that we're looking at tonight is from the freely give. The scripture tonight is Matthew 16, 21 to 28. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned to and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come into his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming into his kingdom. And so there's only this one little bit in particular that I've chosen tonight to take out, um, which is for me the punchline. And that is um, when Jesus says, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And I think this is, this is a little, little section of scripture that gets talked about a lot. I think there's a lot of discussion about um, that little verse. And I think often we overcomplicate it and we kind of can get overly symbolic and metaphorical and kind of conclude with some answer that's no less cryptic than what we began with. I think... Um, we kind of go, well, you know, what, what does lose our life for God? What does that mean? It means die to ourselves. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share my interpretation um, of what it means to lose your life. And I think, I think the really key thing, the, simple, the, mo- the most simple way that I could put it, is that we have lost our life when we are no longer at the centre, but Jesus is at the centre. And inevitably, our life becomes about others. We have lost our life, and we are no longer at the centre, but Jesus is at the centre, and then our our life inevitably becomes about others. The decisions and the questions we ask are no longer, what do I want? Um, What about me? Instead, it's, God, what are you saying? Where is your kingdom, and how can I be a part of it? And I think when, when faced with um, this kind of challenge, because it is a challenge, um, of the, the, the prospect of losing our life for God. I think there are two disastrous, dysfunctional ways that we can, we can take this. The first I'm going to call um, the fear response. And what happens there is that we kind of barricade ourselves against, against losing our lives, where we remain the centre um, we pursue comfort and security, we consume, and it's all about maintaining and just, um, yeah, blocking out any suggestion 
that may be, um, we shouldn't be the centre of our own world. And I, th- I think that's probably the most common one. But one that I've seen a lot in church and in well-meaning church is one that I'm going to call the gung-ho response. And in that, in that response, we lose ourselves to the cause and somehow, somewhere in the equation, we actually lose Jesus. Instead of losing our lives to Jesus, we actually just lose our lives. Um, and what happens there, what happens in the, narr- in the gung-ho response is we get worn down, we become bitter, we get resentful. Um, and our identity gets caught up in the cause. And the problem is with that is that when the cause fails, because we always, no matter what we're doing, we always suffer some sort of failure and disappointment, is that we get screwed because we are the cause. And it's like, yeah, who are we if this thing fails? And it means also when it comes under criticism, we, we can't take the criticism because the criticism is an attack on who, on who we are. And actually, the funny thing is, it's actually still all about us. We are still absolutely the centre of our lives because it's actually all self-serving and our identity is completely caught up in the cause. So I, th- I think that one perhaps is even more of a, of a dangerous reality in the kind of liberal, left-wing kind of Wellington scene. And so, of course, the, the way that we want to do it is we want to lose our life to Jesus. Because then the story is completely different. Um, we no longer depend upon the success of our mission. Because we know that actually we've been faithful. And the rest is actually God's business. God called us um, to be faithful to this thing. God called us to lose our lives, whatever that might look like. But the rest of it is actually up to God. And if it fails, we did our bit. And it's actually on God what happens after that. Um, when we lose our life to Jesus, when our work, our passion, our cause gets criticised, we don't get smashed anymore. Because it's not about us. Um, because it's, yeah, as I said, it's God's mission and we're his children. So we're not under threat when someone says, your thing that you're doing is crap. Have, you should do it like this. Da, 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 da. We're his children. So we don't actually, we don't get taken out by it. And, yeah, when we lose our life to Jesus, we're living in such a way that he actually has to come through. And he does, in my, in my experience. Um, for me, there were two weeks in particular at the free store where I turned up. Throughout the day, I would be feeling incredibly anxious and I would turn up just like, oh, this is actually the last place I want to be right now. Um, and I would sit in St. Peter's Church beforehand and just say, God, I have nothing. I do not have the emotional energy to be present to people. And I need, I need you to pick up the pieces. And what, what happened every day of that two weeks is that this peace would descend on me and I would be able to talk and be present with a, a, a wholeheartedness and a generosity that was more than even when I was feeling like I was in a good space. And the funny thing was that actually when I'd leave the freestyle, and this was quite annoying, but it was almost like more confirmation, is that the peace would then leave again. <laughs> and it's like as soon as I'd leave, the anxiety would come back, and it was just like, oh my, why, why can't it stick around? But actually the funny thing was, in the, what could have been the most scary space, the freestyle became the space of peace for me in that time. Yeah, so point one... 
to lose our life is when we are no longer the centre, when Jesus um, is the centre, and then our life really becomes about others. There was this guy who was kind of a golden boy, one of the golden boys of Urban Vision. He was kind of doing all the right stuff. He was going hard for the community. He could spin the yarns. And then things kind of started to fall to pieces and he kind of lost his faith. He left and that was it. And years later when asked kind of what, what happened there? What, what went wrong? Is um, one thing that he said was, my heart actually never broke. My heart never broke for injustice. To lose our life is to have our heart broken for injustice. The two are inseparable. And, and what I mean by that is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint this by looking at the Good Samaritan story, which most of us may know quite well. But basically, the, the gist of it is, this guy gets beaten up on the side of the road, and three people walk by. Um, and I can't even remember the actual terms, but like one was a Levite, one was a, some sort of religious leader. Priest. Priest. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, they are. The, the well-learned of the community. And then the final person was a Samaritan who Jesus specifically chose in that story because um, the Samaritans were a people group that the Jews hated. They couldn't stand. Um, and they were kind of, they were seen as, as dirt to the Jews. But what, of course, is so interesting about it is that it was the Samaritan who was moved to compassion and went and helped out the guy. That went and tended to his wounds and sorted it all out for him. It was that guy. And actually, if we, if we look at it, there was... So the kind of the hero of the story was the Samaritan, but the Samaritan had no qualifying features above the Levite and the priest in terms of, you know, what people would think, you know, this, this person's really onto it, this person um, is a faithful person, this is someone who God would um, approve of. The Samaritan had none of that going for him. He wouldn't have, yeah, didn't have the knowledge, um, wasn't high up in society, but what he did have is his heart broke for this guy, and he was moved to compassion. Um, he was compelled to act in, like, in such a way that he, he couldn't resist. He couldn't not do something about this. This is why we must be people who are moved to compassion. We must be people whose hearts break for injustice to the point where we can't help but act. Because if, if they don't, if, if our hearts don't break, we will just be another cog in the machine. We will be swept away by the current of the dominant culture. Um, and what we will actually become a part of... The, um, the systemic injustice that excludes and that um, treads on those, yeah, those who are already at the bottom, those who are already excluded. Um, and I think everyone is capable of compassion, but the world is set up to stop our hearts from breaking. The current of our culture pushes us in one way um, that would have us blinded to the suffering and the stories of others. That's, that's the way that society drives us. So we actually, we need to choose to put ourselves in the spaces where our hearts are broken. We have to choose to be in those spaces. If you imagine for the Samaritan guy, exactly the same guy, but if he was 3K away and someone said, hey mate, there's a, there's a guy beaten up on the side of the road, just 3K down that way, chances are he would have probably not 
done anything about it, just like probably most of us. And it's not because he's not a bad guy. It's because he wasn't actually moved. His heart wasn't broken and he wasn't moved to compassion. So he didn't do anything. So he wouldn't have done anything. Because I think we can't choose to have our hearts broken. We can't choose to be moved to compassion. But we can choose to structure our lives in such a way that our hearts are broken. We can choose to put ourselves in the spaces where our hearts are broken and where we are constantly moved to compassion so that we can't help but do something about it. And that's why I think for me, I needed last year to leave university. I needed to get the heck out of there because what I said to myself is that the the reason I was there was to help other people be better versions of themselves, was compassion, was because I cared about people. But actually the conversations that I found myself a part of lacked compassion completely. And they became, it just was that same thing. It was actually, we're talking about other people, but actually at the end of the day, we remain at the center, we still have the power. And it just, it got kind of claustrophobic after a while. And that's um, when I realized like, yeah, that's, and I ended up at the free store, um, which was an absolute gift. The free store for me was a space where my heart, I knew my heart would keep on being broken. I knew that I would be the best version of myself at the free store. So like, for, for example, there's one guy who, let's call, let's call him Sid. Just for yarns, because there aren't many Sids around. Um, and this one night I was just going downstairs, I was going to see whether the downstairs area was clean, and I see Sid stumbling out back, clearly not in a good way, and I talk to him about, I say, what, what's going on, man, and then he just starts bawling his eyes out. He starts crying and crying and crying, and he seemed to be like shouting at his leg, and what he, what he was saying was, was, don't give up on me, don't give up on me, and then I, I hear more, and he said that he'd had a stroke once before and gone into hospital, and he said that the doctors had told him he'll have another one soon, and when he has that other one, he'll die. And so he was just freaking out because one of his legs was giving in and he thought that this, this was it. He thought that this was it. And I heard, I heard more from him. I heard um, that just before he died, he just wanted to see his daughter again, but he didn't know where she was. And he said that actually in his current state, he was so afraid that she wouldn't even accept him because he, has, he had to steal everything to stay alive and um, when you hear things like that when you hear those kind of stories how can you not have your heart broken and be moved to compassion and so that's why we need the proximity to the oppressed and excluded otherwise we will be just another cog in the machine we will be party to the systemic injustice that's in our society Point, point two, our hearts must be broken for injustice. That is a part of losing our life for Jesus. In point three, um, when we lose our life, we actually find life for ourselves, but also for our community. And I think it's, this is classic. I definitely think I probably would have fit into the kind of the gung-ho category um, in the past, and it's easy to get kind of fixated on the kind of losing of the life, but actually we find life as well. <laughs> like actually, 
We're supposed to be better off for losing our life to Jesus. And yet, as I say, I know that I haven't, I definitely haven't always believed this. I think it was a time towards the end of high school where I was kind of, I just was itching to leave. And I was like, it is going to be so great. I'm going to do like awesome stuff. I'm going to be a kick-ass youth worker. I have all these dreams. It's going to look like this and Jesus is going to come through and it's going to be amazing and kind of be all about me, to be honest. But what happened, and what happened was that kind of, what, what followed was a period that kind of ran me into the ground and my optimism kind of crumbled a bit. And it wasn't that I kind of, yeah, I wasn't sort of completely down and out, but I think I just thought that any little bit of transformational life that we, that you see, like, like 10 times the amount of work would have to, to go in to get, um, to get this. And yeah, and life and faith had some beauty and it had some meaning, but it certainly did not have the abundant life that we're promised in a life following Jesus. And what, what's awesome to be able to reflect now is that that feels just like a complete joke to me now, that perspective. Because um, this last little season of my life has been completely wild. I still, for the last few months, I kind of have this thing of, I still can't quite believe it. I'm still kind of like, where's the catch? There's got to be something. There's got to be something slightly off here. Because I'm, I kind of, I'm experiencing a joy and gratitude that I haven't ever known before. Um, and I, I'm not sort of saying that this is sort of going to continue forever, but, you know, long may it last. Um, but I really feel like I'm living the dream and just any alternative of the life that I'm living now just seems grey and dry. And, yeah, it's... <laughs> I guess a pretty big thing to be able to say that, but that is genuinely the space um, that I feel like I'm in. And I think that there's a life that comes from when we are we're just where we're meant to be. There's just a sense this year that this is where I'm meant to be. Um, this is who, yeah, this is who I'm made to be. And I'm kind of, it mean, what it means is that the challenges that you face are no longer kind of draining and tiring instead. It's like these are the, these are the battles that I want to be fighting. And also I think that me kind of feeling good about life is no longer attached to kind of circumstances and emotions. It's not about how I feel on a given day. Because actually there's been that shift and, you know, not saying it's sort of completely there, but there's been that shift of just I'm starting to move out of the center. Life isn't just about me anymore. And actually others and God are starting to occupy that space. And I think, <clears throat> I think the reason, I th- yeah, maybe naively, but I think the reason that I am in this space at the moment is because like, the, the, only, the only part of it that is my doing is that I said, God, what do you want me to do? I just, and it's true that after this university season, I was just like, I just want to build your kingdom. That's actually all I want to do. I'm kind of sick of everything else. I want to see people transformed and I want to see people come to know you. And now, yeah, every single space of my life is actually about God and I need God to come through. And as I've said so many times at the free store, where a grace would carry me that I could not explain that it was simply nothing to do with me. It's right for us. When we when we get tra- we get transformed in all of this, um, we see the fruit of the spirit in our own lives. But it's even better for our community. 
It's even better for our community. At the free store now, there are people who are getting food that otherwise wouldn't be eating. There are people that have said they're kept out of prison. There are people who um, are finding yeah, community and connection there. There are people who are realising that they have something um, to give. There are legends discipling other people into, um, into taking responsibility. It's, it's epic. And it's kind of all because one person about eight years ago said yes to God and lost their life for the benefit of others. That's why it happened. And not that Benjamin didn't build, like all this stuff is not Benjamin's doing, but it's happened, it's, it's God's doing, but it's happened because Benjamin said yes, I'll actually follow through. I'll actually, I, I've had this dream, I'll follow through and I'll give away my life. Yeah, it just it would not have happened otherwise. And I think we can say we can say the same for blueprint. How many of us here have either discovered God, rediscovered um, God, have found a place of belonging, have found um, yeah some renewed kind of sense of purpose and direction because of this place? And it's because two people have said God. I will do what you ask, and I will give everything I've got to make to get um, to breathe life into the space for other people. And yeah, so just going to call out Scotty and Rose because I think for me that's that's the most beautiful thing that you can do. It's like after after that, it's like you can die happy, right? I gave everything I had so that others could experience and um, feel the life that um, the full the full life that God promises us. And we're actually, believe it or not, we're in a transition time at Blueprint at the moment. Some of like we're at the free store. Benjamin's moved on, but here Scotty is also obviously moving up and church planting with with others in Brooklyn at the end of this year. And the thing is, for something to be full of life and to be, um, yeah, to be beautiful, there isn't just one death that happens. People actually need to keep on losing their life. People need to keep on saying, yes, send me, it will be me. And we have a time now where Scotty is moving on and new people need to be able to step up and say, it will be me. So, we, out in, in, our, in the weekend when we were away at Paikokariki, um, one of the things that was mentioned just briefly were these bunch of crazy guys called the Moravians, who were pretty awesome. They were this church community, I think in Germany, um, who were a, a massive part of starting the revival of the 18th century. And the thing is about them is what, what they would do, they were, they were huge on mission. They were huge on being sent and bringing the gospel, bringing um, God's kingdom to places where it wasn't already. And the, thing, the, the radical thing about them is that they would say, God, send me wherever. Send me wherever you want me to go. And what that meant, of course, was that sometimes people would be sent and they'd never be heard from again. Some people, some people would die. 
And um, but that that was it. That's that was um, that was what they did for God. And I think even though it's very unlikely that saying yes to anything a blueprint will lead to death, you never know. <laughs> but it's quite unlikely. I think there's something there's something to be noticed there. There's something to be held in the spirit of the Moravians that said, "Yeah, I will do it, God. I will say yes." And I am willing to lose my life so that other people can experience your life. And so that is my challenge and invitation tonight. Is that this is a, there is a, this is a new time for leaders and for dreamers to um, rise up in this space. For people to be um, inspired and give fully of themselves so that others can thrive and experience the life of God. So to recap, point one, a life must be lost um, for God. And that means God is the center. We are no longer the center. Point two, we must have our hearts broken for injustice. Point three, when we lose our life, we find it. But so does the community. And I might just invite um, Naomi up and the crew. And just... (laughs) That's the one man crew. But I want to I want to give that invitation that during worship time, um, as as we pray, I want whether if any of those things, if whether putting God at the centre is something that and, and removing yourself from the centre is something that you feel convicted about, go over to the cross, ask someone for prayer. If you um, feel convicted that you should be putting yourself in a space where your heart is broken, where you will be moved to compassion. Go to the cross, there will be people happy to pray or ask people elsewhere. But also if you feel like the, the idea that um, giving your own life so that others may fully experience the life of God, if you think that that is one of the most beautiful things, that that is the call of the gospel in your own life, I'd really uh, invite you to kind of pray into that and explore that tonight. Yeah, so let us pray. Thank you, Lord, um, for all the incredible things that you are doing in this community. Thank you for your faithfulness to its people. Um, We pray for an outpouring of your spirit tonight, that we might um, know your presence. I pray that the challenges um, of these words tonight would stick in each of our hearts and that we would, um, yeah, be convicted so that we cannot help but give our lives um, for you, Lord. So I pray, yeah, we welcome your spirit, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.